Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and joining us on the other side of the mic is a familiar voice to the show, Coinbase's Chief Legal Officer, Paul Graywell, back on the show to discuss Coinbase's efforts to comply with the law and the efforts that they've done to do, do so, and of course the complex situation that has led to them being in the legal crosshairs of the SEC, which sued them this week. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Do more with your crypto. Whether you're a crypto expert or a newcomer to the world of digital currencies, PayPal provides a secure and convenient platform for your crypto transactions. Start exploring new Web3 applications with peace of mind, knowing that PayPal has your back. Learn more and get started today at paypal.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored in part by CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. With CleanSpark, you can feel good about investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because CleanSpark uses low-carbon energy for their Bitcoin mining data centers and is always optimizing their operations to increase energy efficiency and reduce e-waste, all while partnering with the communities they operate in. If you want to support the future of Bitcoin while also supporting the environment, visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more about the CleanSpark way. Okay, Paul, uh, hopefully you're getting some sleep, but as they say, there's no rest for the wicked, especially when they're being sued by the SEC. So let's maybe take a moment to sort of unpack how we got here, as it were. I I recall seeing in a blog you, uh, or rather the firm posted in March, that there's been 30 some odd meetings in 2022 looking for guidance and despite all those meetings we're still where we are and we just saw your uh your boss brian armstrong say that there was a sort of change in tone within the agency so you guys were seeking several different paths to create maybe a third way in which you know you could comply with with securities laws what what happened can you characterize sort of how that maybe took a turn and what may be these proposals that you had presented? What were they and, and why are we not in a place where one of them is being implemented? Well, thanks, Frank. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, quite honestly, I'm actually sleeping quite well at night because I think we are in the right here. And uh, I think the SEC is dead wrong. Let me, let me give you just a little bit of that history, though, since you, you asked about all of the efforts that we've engaged in now going back not just many weeks and many months, but even many years. Frank, I think it's fair to say that um, our efforts to get to clarity um, really predate our life as a public company. Um, as you know, we listed as a public company back in 2021. And I won't go through all of the history that, that um, lie underneath that decision by the SEC to allow us to list, but I think it was quite significant that after probing and poking and everything that we do as a business, our entire asset review process, the SEC did allow us to list. Um, fast forward, um, you know, into um, 2021, 2022, um, it, it became clear that um, rules were not going to be coming from the SEC uh, of its own accord. And so we filed a formal petition asking for rules. And of course, that formal petition is now the subject of federal court litigation, which I'm happy to speak to at greater length that that would be of interest. But to get down to brass tacks, um, last fall, Frank, um, we um, 
entered into private discussions with the SEC to complement the public advocacy we've been engaging in. And in those discussions, which uh, carried uh, carried out over nearly 30 separate engagements with the SEC, we laid out a very specific proposal that would allow coin, not just Coinbase, but anyone else interested in offering digital asset securities in the United States to do so through a model of an ATS, an alternative trading system that would, that would permit a broker dealer um, to offer services to retail customers and that would accommodate some of the unique features of blockchains that make crypto and digital assets different than pork bellies or securities like Apple stock or anything else. Uh, and I'm referring specifically to the fact that, as you know, with blockchains, um, there is a settlement layer created um, as a result of the architecture of these networks. There's no need for traditional clearing agents and transfer agents that can take a day or two or more to settle up at the end. And so in that model, um, a custodianship you know, makes actually a lot of sense integrated into the existing structure. So we laid all this out for the SEC. We talked about managing the conflicts that can arise from that type of architecture, the protections that would make sense that, uh, in order to assure investors that uh, uh, what they were getting into was, in fact, what they believed they were getting into, all of that. 30 times, Frank, we had uh, engagements with the SEC uh, going over many months, and it all ultimately came to a head uh, earlier this year. I believe it was in February or, or perhaps early March when we finally turned to the SEC and said, here's what we've presented to you over these many months. Here's how we think this could work. And by the way, if you don't like the broker-dealer alternative trading um, system model that we propose, here's a way we could do this so that we would actually have registration as a national securities exchange. Tell us what you think. Tell us where we've got it wrong or tell us what's a better way to build this mousetrap. And the response, Frank, was, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Have a nice day. Well, what do you think the logic is there? Because we've seen the SEC um, sort of create alternative solutions in the form of something like Reg A as a as a means to uh, you know do smaller fundraises for you know small enterprises. What is the the logic behind sort of not approaching it in in a way similar to that? Because I'm sure if you ask anyone, even at what they're calling what what the tenth floor of the agency. They're not. They're they're educated people, and they probably know that it's very difficult to do registration for a token. Let's call, you know, let's say Solana, which was mentioned in the suit, would not be apples to apples to Apple stock, for instance. And they and they know that. So I, I'd be curious, like, if have you asked them maybe a question as directed as that one, and what is their response? Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right, Frank. There, there's no shortage of intelligence and sophistication in the Securities and Exchange Commission. The staff are dedicated public servants. And I believe even on a day like today, after we've been sued, that many of them are operating in good faith and, and are committed to getting to the right rules. Here's the problem. Um, you are absolutely right. We have seen from the SEC uh, throughout its history all sorts of accommodations for unique types of assets, unique industries whether it's, as you point out, special rules under Reg A for issuers that are more constrained than a traditional offering. Um, when it comes to trading, uh, uh, Rule 144 offers some additional models that accommodate differences um, so that investors remain protected, but that these in industries can be allowed to grow and mature and develop in ways that we can't always predict. 
And yet when it comes to crypto, for some reason, there's no interest whatsoever beyond the professional staff level in the political ranks. And Frank, if, if you're asking me to offer some um, grand unifying theory as to why that's so, I, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do that. What I can point you to, however, are the statements of the chair of the SEC himself yesterday, yesterday when he was um, announcing, I'll put it gently, the lawsuit uh, against Coinbase and in which he made it explicit. He has no interest in promoting digital currencies. You know what he said, Frank? You heard him yourself. He said, we don't need any digital currencies. We already have one. It's called the US dollar or the Japanese yen and so forth. So um, I don't think this is a, a grand sophisticated plan or strategy at the end of the day. I think this is less about regulation by enforcement or regulation by enforcement alone, as we've talked about previously. It's becoming much more clear. This is about regulation by banning. Mm. Yeah, we don't need any more digital currencies. And then even the projects that then themselves are not uh, labeled or billed as uh, an alternative to the dollar. I, I, I imagine the view of, of, of the chairman would be that they're just technology projects looking for a, a way around sort of registration when raising from the public um, versus, you know, a sort of uh, a protocol, as it were. Um, now, a lot of people have focused on the security uh, securities designation element of the suit. It's what we've talked about time and time again last time you were on the show. I was a bit surprised on the focus on sort of the underpinning market structure of of uh, that's described in both your suit and Binance's. Now, let's say, or rather, you know, we've had this debate on the securities issue. Coinbase has said we don't list securities, but in hindsight, was there any indication from the agency or others, NYDFS, that Coinbase as a firm operating an exchange and a sort of OTC desk and a custodian all would un under the same organization? Was that was there ever an indication that that was problematic? Well, they say that now, Frank, but it, again, as you know, because you follow these issues so closely, we have been banging on the SEC's door now for a long while to understand exactly what their problems were, right? It's one of the reasons why we took the somewhat unusual step to release the Wells notice to show the public so that it could see for itself that we, we had absolutely no articulation. Someone I spoke to about that described it as you completely throwing out the rule book in response to that Wells notice. It was almost um, a, a Hail Mary type of play. He said that with, with praise. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I don't I don't know if um, it was conventional or not, but in general, unconventional challenges require unconventional strategies. That's for sure. The main thing, Frank, is we wanted the public to be able to see for itself that we weren't just shading or characterizing what the SEC was doing. If you look at the Wells notice, there's essentially no description or discussion whatsoever of the market structure and other issues that seem to be underlying so much of the SEC's present concerns. I do think, Frank, at the end of the day, that that these structural issues are a bit of a distraction and a ruse because the fundamental question remains the same. If these things are not securities, and we are absolutely sure they are not because we've done the homework, then all of the requirements that are applicable to a securities markets, such as certain market structures, separation of certain functions, um, are really um, irrelevant. Now, the, the other thing I will say is that the SEC, again, has accommodated alternative structures, even with 
old-fashioned plain vanilla equity securities in the form of a broker-dealer ATS model. So um, it's not as if the commission is allergic to the concept that under certain circumstances, an an adapted structure makes sense because of either the underlying nature of the asset, the technology involved. It seems to be that crypto uh, uh, is, is being singled out for special treatment, and it's not special treatment that's particularly positive, to put it mildly. So do you anticipate, um, based off of all of that, uh, one one feather in the, the cap of the SEC, I guess you could call it, or one quiver in there, or one bow in their quiver, would be that Binance US today said, we're done with OTC and we're delisting a third of our, our assets. Will Coinbase make a similar move? It almost seems like an uh, admittance of defeat. Well, I, I can't obviously um, speak for Binance. I can say... Um, our complaint is very different. In our case, certain no, a certain number of tokens were claimed or alleged to be securities, a few products. And um, the, the, the fundamental charge is that um, the SEC believes we operate uh, a, an unregistered security exchange because we sell or, or trade secure, offer trading in securities. The Binance complaint, by contrast, had those charges plus a whole host of other accusations regarding wash trading, prop trading, a, a, a disregard for, 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 for client and asset segregation, a whole host of other governance issues that are very different from Coinbase's. Look, to, 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 to address the question of whether or not we're going to delist any of these assets, we, 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 of course, we're always looking at new facts, new information, new allegations to understand whether or not our previous analysis was incorrect. But as I sit here today, we have made no decision at all um, to delist assets, and we remain confident in our original analysis. And you don't think you'll have to step back from anything like, you know, the uh, sort of professional prime brokerage services or OTC services, custody? Frank, we we believe we are operating not just a lawful, but an extraordinarily positive and productive business. And so um, until we are convinced that anything that we do is in violation of law, we're going to continue to run our business as usual. And and has there what what makes you sort of confident in? In that. Uh, well, the confidence comes from the fact that um, we have a rigorous process at Coinbase for evaluating our products and services and the tokens that we list. Um, we, we rely upon in, internal experts on the securities laws, a phalanx of outside law firms with the best lawyers in the country advising us on these issues. It's one of the reasons, Frank, why in more than 90% of the cases that we evaluate, we say, no, thank you. We will not list these assets because at present we are not authorized to, to list digital asset securities here in the US. We'd love to be able to do it, but we can't do that. The chair and others like to point to the um, couple of hundred of tokens that are listed on Coinbase and claim that somehow there must be securities among them. There's no way that they all could um, uh, avoid the, the limitations of the federal securities laws. The fact of the matter is, he's looking at a he's looking at a new at a at a numerator without considering the real denominator. The denominator are the tens of thousands of tokens out there, and the many thousands of tokens that we have evaluated, and and, and in most cases rejected for the very reasons that the SEC says we should reject them. Attention, crypto holders. Moving crypto is seamless and secure with PayPal. With support for Bitcoin, ETH, and more, you can buy, sell, hold, send, and check out with crypto at millions of shops online. Not to mention, PayPal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between PayPal and Venmo crypto wallets. 
Whether you're exploring the world of Web3 or hodling on for another day, PayPal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto. PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto terms and conditions apply. Here's a message from our sponsor, CleanSpark. CleanSpark is a NASDAQ-listed company that mines Bitcoin. Basically, they build and operate data centers with tens of thousands of computers that help secure Bitcoin, making it more reliable and secure for anybody, anywhere to use. These computers require a lot of energy, but that's why CleanSpark predominantly uses low-carbon energy to power their machines. But that's not all. They care about the communities where their data centers are located. They create jobs, donate to schools and community centers, and revitalize aging electricity grids in rural parts of America. They aren't just a Bitcoin miner. They're one of the most efficient and sustainable Bitcoin miners in America. Visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more. I guess there's two questions here. One, what do you think about that timing? And two, Congress seems like... I mean, uh, you know, strange bedfellows perhaps, but maybe one way to kind of get out of some of the more thorny um, legal, uh, the, uh, the thorny legal battle that's here. If, if they can sort of say or, or legislate that the SEC does not have jurisdiction over a firm like Coinbase vis-a-vis -vis XYZ, then that would sort of put the kibosh on, on perhaps this whole thing. Maybe an oversimplification, but is there a chance that that happens? So what do you think of the timing? And can Congress help? Can the devs at Congress help? Can they do something? Let me start with the timing, Frank. Um, I'll, I think the facts speak for themselves. Look, we were not surprised to be sued by the SEC. We've been preparing for this for a very, very long time, and we're ready for it. Um, so that's why you know we're confident that our business will continue to run as usual, and we will, we will vindicate our rights in court. Um, the fact that we happen to just be coincidentally or interestingly, as, as, as you and I put it, both put it, um, sued on the very morning that we were um, testifying before Congress at the invitation of both the chair and the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, I think speaks for itself. It speaks to uh, you know, the political efforts that may be behind um, some of these actions. I'm very confident, Frank, that Congress gets this. Um, yesterday's hearing was actually a breath of fresh air. You had Democrats and Republicans alike asking hard, substantive questions about the draft um, that had been released by the House Ag Committee um, the Friday before. You have um, two chairs of two important committees, not just the Ag Committee, but also the Financial Services Committee, committed to moving forward with this legislation. It's legislation that would recognize for the first time that we need a spot market regulator at the federal level. Currently, um, you have commodities being traded without a federal spot market regulator, and the CFTC is very well equipped to do that. I heard um, bipartisan interest and bipartisan support in that idea. And you also have a draft bill that would, for the first time, recognize that digital assets do operate differently and that they can and often do change character over time. So that even if, as initially offered, an asset may, may qualify as a security, decentralization often occurs, and, and therefore um, securities can in fact transform into commodities over time and ought to be regulated uh, in a way that reflects that. So I, I'm actually very positive 
even if um, you know certain uh, other parts of our government uh, are, are, are being, I think, a bit less productive. But how fast do you think they can move? Well, uh, both Chair Thompson on the House Ag Committee and Chair um, uh, McHenry on F House Financial Services have, have stated they they wish to move quickly, that they, they believe they can get a bill through the committee and onto the House floor in a matter of months, uh, if not weeks. Um, and so that's that's very encouraging. Look, legislation is never easy, Frank, and um, you know politics ultimately do enter into the conversation at some point. But I think that the reality that everyone is staring at um, suggests that the time to act is now, right? Um, even Mr. Gensler himself acknowledges that Bitcoin is a commodity. Maybe the one thing we all agree on in this grand debate that we seem to be having. Um, if that's right, and I happen to agree with him on that point, why on earth wouldn't you want to have a federal regulator with um, authority to act on the spot market for Bitcoin and other digital asset commodities. So this bill is, I think, just good common sense, regardless of some of the broader conversations that we're having. What do you think, you know, users um, are probably very confused. They're probably a bit anxious. Um, let's focus on the institutional side. Have you, have you noticed any sort of anxieties um, from institutional players who are maybe concerned about being on the platform now? How do you mollify those concerns? Well, it's understandable that um, institutions and, and others um, want to understand what does this all mean for um, uh, crypto and for, in particular, crypto in the United States. Um, I think uh, I, it's fair to say um, I have been quite pleased that um, as they have come to understand the nature of this case, what it means for the industry as a whole. Um, it, they are um, not only uh, uh, assured, but uh, uh, in fact, enthusiastic that um, we're gonna get past all of this, that crypto is here to stay. 20% of Americans have made it clear already that they want crypto by buying or, or trading in crypto. More are coming online every day. So this is an asset class that we have to we we, we have to uh, uh, accept whether we like it or not. I happen to like it, but even those who don't need to understand that sensible rules make a lot of sense here. And so you know, institutions and other clients, um, I think, understand that better than most, um, and understand that if they want to be part of the financial future of this country, they need to be part of this um, financial technology. And that's why um, we're seeing, I think, uh, a very positive response. From, from our clients and customers and, and a reaction in the markets that would be consistent with that. Yeah, so what has the response been? What are some of the main questions maybe that they have? Well, a lot of the questions that uh, certain folks have asked about have just dealt, have really focused on the mechanics of, of federal litigation. When will, for example, Coinbase uh, file a response to the SEC's complaint? What does it mean that um, the SEC has um, chosen to pursue a, an asset seizure and a temporary restraining order against Binance, but is not pursuing any of that against Coinbase. So we, we've walked uh, through those questions in ways that I think make clear that this is a, a process now that is no longer just subject to the whims of one regulator and one chair, but will be overseen by a federal district judge who has um, uh, training and uh, experience in managing complex litigation. Um, so you know, that, I think, has been quite reassuring uh, for folks. The other questions, of course, have focused on you know, the long-term uh, outlook for crypto, not just here in the U.S., but globally. And of course, um, you know, if you look outside the United States right now, the direction of travel is clear. Countries 
understand crypto is here. They want it in their country. They want it in their jurisdiction and in their boundaries. And so they're passing sensible rules that are going to allow this industry to flourish. So does this mean um, Coinbase might, you know, expedite its its efforts or, or move to offshore jurisdictions as a result of this? Well, we've we've been running a, a global business, as you know, Frank, for as long as we've essentially been a business. Um, as of as of the most recent quarter, something like twenty percent of our top line revenue comes from markets outside the United States. And so, you know, being uh, an international uh, business is not something new for Coinbase. Recently, for example, we announced that we would be operating and opening uh, an exchange in, uh, out of Bermuda that um, we're quite excited about, and that that will service. Have you been yet? Have you been to Bermuda yet? I haven't, Frank. No, no, Gotta I can't say I've made the flight. It's nice. I'm I, I'm here. It's quite nice. Um, and, and we've been quite... you got to get a black and stormy. Or no, dark and stormy. Dark and stormy. I was going to say, I think I need to work on my, uh, on my, on my cocktail uh, uh, repertoire. But, but you know, more seriously, Frank, the, you know, that international exchange in our business abroad is, of course, focused on servicing customers outside the United States. Um, it's quite natural that if our goal is to you know, uh, open up opportunities in the crypto economy for everyone, we need to be where the, 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 the vast majority of the world population lives. Um, but that doesn't mean we're, we're any less committed to the U.S., and it doesn't mean that it's any less important that we come to some sensible, common-sense rules here before we send this industry completely uh, uh, to Europe and beyond, as you apparently have decided to do for yourself, Frank. I have, yeah. It's completely, you know, it's all my fault, I suppose. Um, so then how do you – so now you're in this process. Um, where do we go from here? Obviously, I mean, this could be what – we, what are we thinking like? three to five years of of sort of locking heads. And the second question I'm curious is if there's a change in, um, in an administration, how might that sort of change the dynamic as well? Well, um, it's certainly the case that uh, court litigation, federal court litigation can take not just many months, but in certain instances, many years. Um, those of, your, those of your listeners who have been following the Ripple litigation, I think, will understand that cases can seemingly go on forever. Um, that said, um, you know there there are mechanisms for um, court cases to to resolve um, sooner than that. It really depends upon the schedule set by the judge and the manner in which the parties choose to litigate. But we're prepared to go the distance, Frank. Um, Coinbase um, has, I think been very public about its commitment to seeing these issues through a court process if required, because this isn't just about Coinbase. This is about bringing certainty to the entire industry. As for a change of administration, change in leadership, you know, that that's something that, you know, we will see um, perhaps um, uh, over the next several months, whether it's an actual uh, reality or not. Um, that might, if it were to come to pass, you know, change the dynamics here. But um, we are we are we are hoping for the best, but presume uh, but preparing for the worst in terms of the current leadership of the SEC committing to this course of regulation by enforcement, regulation by enforcement only, and even seeking to outright ban crypto for all practical purposes um, through through these court cases. So, how much going back, sort of the top of the conversation in these conversations that you're having with the commission, you know. I'm sure it's very cordial and, and very diplomatic, but it, it, the sense that I get from leadership at Coinbase is that there's a bit of, they're acting unreasonably um, to a degree. How, how do they sort of respond to, you know, that, that sort of contention or that sort of 
that feeling of, of them maybe acting stubborn, I guess might be a word. Um, because I'd imagine on the flip side, they would say, well, maybe Coinbase is being naive and maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Maybe, but you know what? I'll tell you this. Um, the, the commission has made it very clear. We are not getting any new rules from the SEC uh, on crypto. Right. I don't know how much more clear that could be in light of the chair statements, um, uh, in light of um, the, 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 the enforcement division's lawsuits. But here's the thing, Frank, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, a very important parallel case that's taking place between Coinbase and SEC right now. This is a this is a third circuit, a circuit, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals petition that we filed asking for an order to the SEC to decide whether or not new rules would be coming or not. And just yesterday, on the very same day that I testified on behalf of Coinbase, and more importantly, the SEC chose, chose to file suit against Coinbase, that, that court, that circuit court in Philadelphia, issued an important order directing the SEC to explain itself, to explain whether or not, in fact, it had reached a decision, and if not, how long it would take. And it, I think, is very important that we have now courts involved in this debate, and courts uh, are, are not going to tolerate um, obfuscation and misdirection. And so I'm quite encouraged that um, the, the circuit court has, has seen fit to, to ask these important questions of the SEC. And I think it underscores what we've been saying all along, which is tell us the rules you want us to follow. Uh, have a conversation and is a dialogue, not a monologue. And, and we can get to a reasonable place here. But simply saying that we don't need crypto, uh, digital currencies or cryptocurrencies in the United States, that the dollar or the yen is all that we need in order to move this economy forward, I think it speaks volumes to the flexibility or lack of flexibility in, in, in the SEC and their willingness to uh, reach, re reach reasonable rules through reasonable discussion. Now, what will you be looking for in their response? What type of clarity or color um, might we expect? Well, the, the, the circuit court was explicit. The SEC is to inform the court, not just Coinbase, but the court, um, has it reached a decision on the Coinbase petition or not? Um, that's one thing we expect to hear. And um, we believe that um, because, the SEC, because the SEC has in fact decided that there will be no rules, it has no choice but to acknowledge that finally for the first time. And um, if it were to do so, of course, we would then be in a position finally to challenge that decision um, in, a, in, a, in a further court case. Um, but we're going to see what the SEC has to say. They have seven days to respond. We'll have a few days after that to submit our reply. And um, we're just we're grateful that the court is taking this so seriously. And this is sort of what we should expect in the in the near term, um, whereas everything else will probably pan out over the long term. And for clients, customers, no immediate changes. One thing I was surprised about was the mention of the wallet in the suit as being sort of something that would need to be registered, which, uh, you know, I can get the broker dealer, I can get the exchange. But I mean, that seems like that could open a big Pandora's box. Well, it's not just that it would open a Pandora's box. It's that <laughs> from my perspective, as the chief legal officer at Coinbase, it ignores decades of precedent from the courts on um, what can and cannot um, constitute the facilitation of trading and securities. Uh, a wallet, Frank, is code. A wallet doesn't involve a company like Coinbase taking custody of assets. 
Um, this would be an unprecedented extension of the SEC's jurisdiction and authority, and we think the courts are going to see that for what it is. Got it. Well, Paul, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show to answer some of our questions. Any any closing thoughts before we send you off? Well, I just want to say, Frank, that um, you know court cases can feel and sound scary uh, to those who spend less time in, in, in these venues than, than, than some of us. But um, look, uh, sometimes, sometimes the courts are necessary in order to rein in an overreaching um, government regulator. And um, as, as, as difficult as these experiences can be, we're eager for our day in court and we're looking forward to the chance to present our side of this uh, debate uh, to a neutral, experienced, wise third party. So we're looking forward to it. What do you think will root, be, what will be the core of the argument for some of these assets um, to, to sort of counter the idea that they're securities? What, do, do you think there's a single, singular thread if you've looked at some of these assets that, that, that you would point to in saying, here's, here's the crux of our argument? Well, each of them have their own arguments, but I, I, I do think across each of these assets, there's a fundamental problem with the SEC's theory. They're not contracts. They're not investment contracts. These, mm. these are assets that are, that are traded on secondary venues. And whatever their origin story may have been, even if at some point in time, um, these oranges, to allude to the Howey test, may have been part of an investment contract involving oranges and orange groves, that doesn't mm -hmm. make them securities in and of themselves. And that's the part of the legal theory that the SEC has, that, uh, that's the part of the SEC's legal theory that just doesn't hold water, has never been adopted by any federal appellate court to consider the issue, and we think is, is going to be kicked out um, once a federal court has had an opportunity to dig into these issues um, in our case. It'll be exciting to watch it unfold. Thanks again so much, Indeed. Paul, Chief Legal Officer of Coinbase. Appreciate you taking the time. You bet, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. And The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.